Hi everyone and welcome back to IS Podcast, ISV's show for schools and the wider community. I'm Natalie Mutafis. On today's episode, Shane Green talks with Rob Kenny, the dad behind the Dad, How Do I? YouTube channel, giving practical dad advice for everyday tasks. But first, Michael Broadstock talks with Independent Schools Victoria Chief Executive Michelle Green about the new faces fronting the education portfolios in Canberra and at Spring Street. Welcome back to Eyes Podcast, Michelle. Thank you, Michael. It's always lovely to be here. Well, a lot's happened since we last spoke on Eyes Podcast. We've had a change of government nationally, a shuffle on the Labor front bench, and a new face in the education portfolio. Yes, and so much has happened that we've almost forgotten the federal election campaign. One of the real positives for us in the election campaign was that the two major political parties who are contesting the election, agreed on some core principles, and those principles were vital to the work that we do, that our schools do, and that our parents expect. We had both the coalition and the ALP talking about how much they value independent schools as vital partners in our education system, alongside government and Catholic schools, which is really great for parents to know that their decisions are supported. So along with that came a commitment to funding and government support for parents' right to choose independent schooling, not commitment that independent school parents would get more than anybody else. As a matter of fact, they get much less, but a commitment that there was a right for government support. So it reflected a really long-standing bipartisan support for non-government education, and that was wonderful in the election campaign. Yeah. I think it's fair to say there was a bit of a surprise when a new ministry was announced and Jason Clare became the new education minister after Tanya Plibersek, who'd been shadow education minister for six years, became environment minister. Yes, that's right. And it was a surprise for us. But firstly, let me congratulate the new minister on his appointment. We know he's got a strong commitment to the importance of education. We know from what he said publicly that He believes education to be a powerful cause for good, and we can all support that and support him in his views. We look forward to continuing the positive and constructive relationship that we had with Tanya Plibersek. We know that Tanya had a strong passion for education. We're really pleased that Mr Clare also has a strong passion for education, and we're looking forward to what we can do together. And of course, in Victoria, there's also been changes in the education portfolio. That's right, Mike. James Molino announced that he wouldn't be contesting the November state election and that he'd be stepping down as Education Minister. We think it's important to pay tribute to James Molino. He had a genuine interest in and enthusiasm for education and for student wellbeing. Also, an enthusiasm for the arts in education, which we particularly appreciated. James knew the important role of all schools and their teachers in nurturing and transforming lives of young people. And it was great that we were able to use the partnership between government, independent and Catholic schools with the minister to provide some real changes in education. So I thank James for the approach he took. He was always open to engagement with us and with our schools. He attended ISV functions. He engaged with our principals. Some of our questions were fairly frank and he gave us fairly well-considered responses to our questions and also questions that our principals had. So we thank him for that and wish him all the best. And our new education minister? 
Natalie Hutchins is the state's new education minister and we congratulate her on her appointment. She has extensive ministerial and parliamentary experience and she brings this to the role. And so we're looking forward to continuing our strong relationship with the minister, the department and with the government, something we've had with education ministers from both sides of politics over many different governments now. You're listening to IS Podcast. Away from politics and a change of pace, the arts, obviously they play a very important role for us at ISV and we've got some important celebrations and events coming up in August. The first of those is our annual student art exhibition. Yes, it's hard to believe this is our 17th exhibition. We've got 74 artworks from seven schools and just like the students who created them, the artworks are really diverse. So these works were completed in 2021. It's the second year in which most schools were part of continuing lockdowns and remote learning due to COVID-19. And we all know what trying circumstances they were. So it's a tribute to the resilience and the determination of teachers to deliver an arts-based curriculum online. It's a really interesting exhibition. You began the student art exhibition. Can you take us back to those early days and what you wanted to achieve? Yes, I wanted this to be beyond an art exhibition. What I was trying to do was to bring student voice and student agency into not only the deliberations of ISV, but also into the deliberations of people who don't always spend time with young people. So the idea was not to just have an art exhibition that was static, where we invited ISV principals and parents to come along, but to have something where there was traffic from all members of the public so that people could see the great work that young people are doing and pick up on some of the themes that are important to young people as we go forward. And from that respect, we now have the largest collection of online art images from young people over now 17 years. And we can do some retrospective work with that But also what we've got is a group of young artists now who are coming back to us and saying, do you know you made a change for me when I saw my art hanging in your exhibition and it's had an impact on my life. So it's had a great spin-off. Fantastic. And now we've got a new dedicated public gallery space at the Docklands. That's right. We're really fortunate to have the space at the Docklands because what it does is it underlines that we are part of community, that this is not a transitory exhibition which is in a gallery where people have to quiet, be quiet and tiptoe around, where they can't bring their families, where they can't just interact with the artwork. So it's been a tremendous success and Anne Smith, who's our Arts Learning Executive, and her team have made it a really vibrant space. and. COVID and lockdowns forced us all online, so we were able to launch an online student art gallery, IS Artworks, which displays not only the current exhibition, but also works, as I say, from previous years. It's really a living history. And of course, we're about to announce the results of our annual student poetry competition, which is part of our Arts Learning Festival. Yeah. As you know, Mike, this is always exciting for me because I have a passion for poetry. And when I read and see the poems, I'm so impressed and moved by the talent that we are seeing, a talent of young people. So we've seen the competition grow every year. This year, we've got a record number of entries, close to 400. And we've introduced a new category, performance poetry. Students have been asked to create a video of them performing their work. 
Now, I hear from the poetry team there are some really impressive entries. Just recently, I spent some time with a performance poet, uh, somebody who not only writes poetry but collaborates with a team of musicians to provide evocative background for the poetry. So I have a feeling that we might see some very special spin-offs from the performance poetry category, which is becoming very, very popular. I'll look forward to sharing that with our ICE podcast audience as the next few episodes unfold. Yes, so will I. Let's not forget our annual student film festival. It's also part of the Arts Learning Festivals and entries are now open. Oh, yes. This is, again, something providing a showcase for the talents of students, but also providing us with a wonderful insight into where we are, where students are, what it is that floats their boat, if you like, what it is that they're concerned about, what it is that they're excited about. It's become a mainstay of the arts calendar and This medium of short films really enables people to express themselves. So each year there's an array of styles and subjects. This year should be no different. I've already seen some ideas that people have in some of the films, so I'm really looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to the films coming through there. Well, thanks again for joining us. We'll put links to all of that in the show description, so if you want to find out more, just click on the links. That's great. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Michelle. When Robert Kenny started his Fix-It YouTube channel, Dad, How Do I?, he wanted to make fatherly how-to videos just for his own children. Now he has over 2 million subscribers, a podcast, and a book all about giving practical dad advice from how-to videos, inspirational messages, and good old-fashioned dad jokes. Talking with Shane Green from his home in Seattle, Washington State, Rob explains how it all started and how he became known as the Internet's dad. Rob, welcome to Eyes Podcast. Thanks for having me. Rob, let's start at the beginning. For those who don't know, what is Dad, How Do I? And where did the idea come from? Yeah, it's just something I thought of. You know, I have to adjust the time frame now because we're two years in. I did think of it a couple years even before I started the channel. I pictured one of my kids in the other room yelling, Dad, how do I? And that's where I came up with the name. And uh, yeah, just trying to download some information from my head that I had to learn the hard way. Now, your own personal story is really important, isn't it? And that's really where the idea came from. Can you take us through that? Yeah, without getting very far into it, I my dad left when I was 14 and my mom was unable to take care of us. And so I ended up living with my brother, who was 23 at the time, which, you know, he, him and his young wife were basically kids themselves. And so there was a lot of things that I missed out on learning. And so that's that's a big part of what I'm trying to do on my channel. I'm also trying to encourage people to forgive because I eventually forgave my dad and I share that in my book as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a really big thing. And that really struck me because that forgiveness, without that, it would have really uh, affected your life in a a very big way. And I was allowing it to, (laughs) you know, I'm not trying to act like I, oh, I was quick to forgive him. It took me a long time and through a lot of, uh, tears. And when I finally, I heard somebody say, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it somehow hurts the other person. When it was put that simple to me, that was something I could get my head around. And I was like, man, that, that is me. I I need to, I need to let this go. Cause if I'm waiting for my dad to ask for forgiveness, it may never happen. And so I, I forgave him long before he finally did actually ask for forgiveness. Rob, out of all of that, it must be a wonderful feeling to produce something so positive and affect so many lives. 
Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for the platform that I've been given. I'm a man of faith and I feel like I'm able to yeah, try to share a little bit of God's love in my small <laughs> finite way to the best of my ability and it's yeah, it's such a blessing. I'm so grateful for being able to do it. Well, let's get to the videos. The first one I think was how to tie a tie. What was that like to make? Yeah, it wasn't much, you know, and uh, I, like I said, I thought of the idea a few years before I actually launched it and my daughter kept getting on me, dad, you need to do it. You need to do it. And then finally, you know, I ran out of excuses because we were in lockdown over here. And so tying a tie, you know, there's not much of a commitment there. I, not a whole lot of planning ahead. I just put up the camera and showed how to tie a tie. And it didn't, it probably took me less than 15 minutes to really produce what I wanted. And then the rest is uh, history from there. Kind of, I did how to shave and how to change a tire and how to put up a shelf. I think I had like six or seven videos up by the time it actually went viral. So I didn't have a whole lot of content at the time. And so I was scrambling to get up some valuable content. Now I'm about 130, I think 130 videos in. So, you know, if I take a week off, it's not such a big deal because I, you know, I have enough where people can go back and look at some older stuff. And of course, now you've got 4 million subscribers or just over. Did you ever imagine attracting that sort of following? No way. Yeah. I, uh, and you know, I've said from the get go that I thought I was going to have 30 or 40 people. I was just trying to make a nice tight, um, community that, and I was answering and replying to everybody, you know, I thought that that's what it was going to be. But then, you know, I, and I'd be out on a walk with my wife, with our dogs and like, Oh, look at that. I just got five more subscribers. I'm up to 300. And I was like, even that was beyond me. I couldn't believe it was that big. And then yeah, in May, I started the channel April 1st and then May, right around May 20th is when it, when it went viral. And then I was gaining hundreds of thousands of people all at once. Wow. I imagine that must've been uh, overwhelming at times. It was absolutely. It was actually terrifying because uh, I, you know, I consider myself an introvert. And so it really honestly scared me. I didn't start the channel to switch careers. I, there wasn't a, you know, a master plan of <laughs> this is what we're going to do. You know, it just kind of happened. And so it was scary because I had to grapple with the fact that my face was everywhere. And, you know, if you Google Internet's dad, that my face comes up and that and that's not anything I've done. I, you know, I'm not changing the the seo or anything or getting it out there to drive it to the top it just it just is there which sort of really tells you um you've got a really good idea and that's uh, that must be quite encouraging as well it is yeah it, it, i have shared this though it, it's a little bit heartbreaking the flip side of how needed it is you know if you spend any time on my channel and you read the comments it can be a little a little overwhelming yeah, I actually have read the comments and there was one particularly, Rob, that struck me. This dude just adopted everyone on the internet that doesn't have a dad. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I still get that. How do you feel with four million kids? You know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just, again, just trying to be faithful, trying to do the right thing. I try to not have a whole lot of bells and whistles. You know, I don't say hit the subscribe button. I don't even, I've never, ever said that, you know, even though that's pretty standard. And then, you know, make sure you put the notifications on. I've never, ever said that. I probably need to. Uh, you know, get into a groove a little bit more. We're two years in, I probably should do a little bit more of that, but I, everything's kind of been organic, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't promoted a ton. So. And of course you've got a lot of family support. Your daughter looks after your social media, I believe. 
She does. And she did that almost out of compassion for me because she didn't want to just leave me hanging out there. But she has her work, you know, and so she's finally transitioned out. And so I have a a team that's actually helping me help me with that. And part of that was we wanted to have a a little bit more of a normal relationship again because we kind of got away from that. You know, I love her to death and we, you know, we talk all the time. I was just on the phone with her 15 minutes ago talking about what she has going on in her life. And it's so it's kind of nice to have a little bit more of a so-called normal relationship now. One of the things about uh, the videos, Rob, is that it's not just how-to, it's really emotional support, isn't it, that you're providing people? Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad that I'm able to do that. When my my daughter and I were talking about it, you know, several years ago, like I said, I, I said, you know, there's so much more to being a dad than just running around the house fixing things. I said, I really hope I get the opportunity to kind of share my heart with people. And also, you know, I wanted to encourage other dads as well to understand the the great opportunity that you have as a dad to hang in there, you know, and enjoy the window that you have your kids at home because it goes by so quick. Now, two years on, there are a lot of exciting things happening for you. Can you outline some of the, the great things coming up? I've got some great sponsorships that are finally, you know, I, I, I get sponsors reaching out to me on a weekly basis, um, several every week. And, you know, not a lot of them fit, but I feel like finally I'm kind of, you know, waded through and got a few good ones that make sense because I'm still working. I still have my day job because I'm just trying to make sure that my wife and I, you know, we're close to retirement. We're both 58. And so, I just want to make sure I don't pull up short with my regular job. And I've probably been overly conservative with that, but I do feel like we got some things coming our way. There's been talk of an unscripted show and also of a, even a sitcom. So there's a lot of different things that are kind of out there, but nothing solid yet. Nothing's been finalized. I've found things don't happen so quick as, uh, <laughs> as what I thought was going to happen. You know, two years in, I would have thought we'd already be there. But yeah, so that's still kind of hanging out there. I did get to write my book and that came out last year. So that was, uh, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, tell us, please tell us about the book. Is it the the print version of the video? Well, no. So it actually, it gives you a little bit more insight into my background. And so when the publisher came to me, because I had a couple of publishers wanting to see if I was interested in writing a book. And I said, you know, the idea that I have is because I think it's important to not only show people how to do stuff, but also to help people understand what it means to be a good human. And so when I turned 50, I'm, I'm one of eight kids and I'm number seven. And I went around to each of my older siblings and said, this is what I learned from you. And I really, it's a great character trait. And so that's what the first half of the book is about. It's kind of giving you a little bit more history of what transpired in my life of forgiving my dad. But then I walk you through each of my siblings and talk about a great character trait that I I would love to pass on to people. And then the second half of the book is there's 58 how-tos. I promised 50, and then I, I think it's always good to under-promise and over-perform. So I added eight additional ones in case, you know, so people don't say, Dad, that one wasn't very helpful. <laughs> I kind of covered myself there. Rob, I will put all the details of where to find your YouTube channel and where to buy the book in the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat today. Thanks for joining us on IS Podcast. Thanks for having me on. That's all for this episode of IS Podcast. We're going to leave you with former Eltham College student Ben Hardy-White sharing what it was like for him taking part in our first student film festival in 2019. 
We hope it encourages other young filmmakers to participate and that they enjoy the same warm reaction he received. You can subscribe to our podcast channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts from so you can be notified of any new podcasts as soon as they land. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could rate and review us so more people just like you can find us. A lot of people ask me, what is your film about? And uh, and I have my own views on, on what the film's about, but what's really special to me is is hearing what other people think and and people coming to me with views on the film with ideas about it that I, I'd never even considered. You know, you have people that come to you and they, and they say, you know, your film is, is definitely about climate change, isn't it? And, and that is so just rewarding to know that you've made something that... Um, has such an ability to to create you know um, so many different opinions ab- about it really a- as an artist I think that is one of the best things is handing it over and you know asking people you know what do you think what does this mean to you what is the message of this thing IS podcast is brought to you by Independent Schools Victoria it's produced and recorded by Duncan McLean and presented by Michael Broadstock Shane Green and me Natalie Mutafis Our podcast theme was composed and performed by Duncan McLean. You can find transcripts of our shows with links to what we've discussed at podcast.iseducation.com.au.